0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Eagle Brook Church Leadership Podcast. My name is John Alexander and I'm back. He's back. Oh boy. I'm so, we missed you last month. I don't know. You, he's you just back. moved right on he's without back. me. He's back. Don Graffham. Yeah, I did just fine. In fact, in many ways, it may be, no, just no, kidding. No, it, <laughs> it was. Don, oh, yeah, you can say it. We, we're dying to know. It's been a couple months. How are
1: you doing? Well, I mean, really, truly. I am good, but uh, we both just came off a long weekend and we have two different tales from our weekends. Yeah. Mine was canceled. I was supposed to go on a trip. <laughs> See my son for his birthday, but due to the COVID craziness, we were home and Zooming with our son for his birthday. So, such a bummer. I'm getting over it. It's going to be okay. But you have an entirely different experience. You're coming off a long weekend, and you actually— Yeah, uh, we were in Walt Disney World. Oh, It's
0: been planned for three years, and we finally went. That's awesome. It was with Emily's family, my wife's family, Mm. and it was just a great time. Great experience. Some tears, lots of food, lots of walking. I was a little sore, but overall, great experience. A lot of work. A lot of work being at Disney, but
1: that's awesome. So, we had different experiences. You're probably on a high right now. I'm coming back into it, but this is going to (laughs) be awesome because we got a great...
0: Yes, that's right. Today, we're in for a treat because, as you know, Don, we've got the better half of the Alexander crew in the studio today. My wife, Emily Alexander... (laughs) You know, we always say it would be great if we get if we could get our wives to listen to this podcast, uh-huh. and because they don't, we thought, let's invite at least one of them here yeah, and see if she listens <laughs> after. Just kidding. <laughs> I think she's my biggest fan. She's our biggest fan. I'm sure she's memorized all of the podcasts we've oh, done, but absolutely. Emily, just to give you some context. She's a worship leader and pastor on our staff and has been for over 11 years, and Don, as you once referred to her, the darling of the internet, That's because true. whenever she... <laughs> Turns that camera on. People listen <laughs> oh or watch. And when gosh. she speaks and
1: yeah. just it, people tend to listen. That's, so anyways, yeah. we're That's glad you're kind. here, Emily. We, Thanks, Don. <laughs> we do those morning devos. Everybody wants to watch Emily. Now, to be fair, <laughs> you two did one. You bribed people to watch it. You like yeah. paid money to people or yeah. – Something, to people. Yeah. If to a good, it, we'll oh, yeah, to, to a, a good cause. Oh, yeah. To a cause. Maybe we should do that today. We <laughs> yes, should have that's a, right. We should. We should <laughs> but okay. today. anyway, everybody loves Emily. I wow. know Emily for over a decade. Crazy. I think when you first came on staff, you were the kids pastor for me at White Bear Lake when I was the campus pastor.
2: Yes, that's correct. And
1: we had quite the ride. <laughs> Emily, you were <laughs> the queen of the wild women of White Bear Lake, wow. which was that's these crazy- honor females that were all on that staff you guys kept me on my toes on a regular basis I would put uh fake fake pink slips on your desk with some regularity I've been
2: fired many times you
1: (laughs) you always turned them into paper airplanes and would throw them across the room and so it's a miracle that we're still here together. Uh, it's a but, miracle. <laughs> uh, I am excited to learn from you today and looking forward to, to diving in. Yeah,
0: today we want to talk about what it means to grow in spiritual authority and leading worship. And because Emily is someone who's been leading worship for 10 plus years, actually, that maybe that number's not correct, but like 20 plus years in a lot of ways, um, because you've been leading in that regard and because you spend a lot of time thinking about how to grow in spiritual authority, and let's just call it out as a woman, you are a woman, not a man. I am.
2: Thank you for clarifying that.
0: (laughs) You've also learned a thing or two um, that would just be helpful to hear as your perspective of what it means to be a woman in ministry. But let's start with this question. It's not an easy one to dive in, Mm -hmm. Um, but what is spiritual authority?
2: Yeah, that's not easy, but let's just, yeah, let's dive right in. I I would say, first of all, to have authority over something um, or someone simply means that you're in charge or you have a certain expertise that affords you power or control. Certainly, I'm talking about in a respectful uh, kind of way. For us as Christians, our authority is God. He's all-powerful. I believe he's in control. Uh, but even he commanded us to go and tell others about him through his great commission. Uh, the book of Matthew, Jesus says to his disciples, his closest friends, all authority in In heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus. um, And he uses his authority given to him by God to then instruct his disciples, or those of us at this table, those of us listening to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded, Jesus says. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So spiritual authority is taking Jesus up on that commandment. Um, I cannot lead with spiritual authority if I am not first connected to the one who sent me. In this case, that's Jesus. And I do think that spiritual authority is something that we all grow in. Mm-hmm. It's not just for pastors. It's just not just for worship leaders. It's just not for teachers in the church. I think it's for every single one of us. Yeah, that's
1: mm-hmm. really well said. Don, what would you add to that? Yeah, I think this this even term spiritual authority, it's mm-hmm. one we throw around quite a bit. And even we'll say like, that person, maybe one day will be a pastor, but they need to grow in spiritual authority. Yeah, We'll come back to how you grow in that. But even just what is spiritual authority? Because I think it's it's a big phrase that means a lot to us. And if I were just to unpack maybe a few ways to think about it, when I think someone has spiritual authority, it's it's kind of like they have this connection to scripture that they're able to use as a source of authority. And when somebody speaks to you, With Scripture, they attach something to Scripture. It has a greater authority than their own voice. And I think people with spiritual authority just have Scripture in their heart, and it kind of oozes out of them. And they actually use it in responses to a question that you and I just might have some human knowledge to. They put some spiritual knowledge to, and that brings authority to it. Uh, I think it's also someone who kind of speaks with a, a, a tone of authority and can speak into somebody and say to somebody, like, I see this in you. I believe in you. Uh, I'm going to develop in this in you, or I, I, I'm counseling you in this way. This is a direction I want you to go. Like that has some authoritative tones that I think some people are afraid to step into, but, but somebody with spiritual authority is comfortable in that. And I think maybe one other thing I think about is that they move toward the mess. And sometimes what's even gray or unclear, people with spiritual authority just tend to move toward that. Uh, I remember in a, a situation when I was just starting off as a pastor, I ended up at somebody's deathbed. And it was actually in their house. And I remember all the family was kind of moving around throughout the house. And then I showed up and somebody said, Hey, everybody, everybody, the pastor's here. Let's all gather around. That's a terrifying moment. <laughs> yes. I mean, especially yeah, for right, a young right. pastor. But <laughs> any pastor, when everybody thinks that your words have this authority to them, but but people with spiritual authority are ready to step into that. It's almost a spiritual readiness where they step into a moment, they can bring scripture, they can bring a sense of calm, they yeah. can bring some peace, maybe some composure, and, and lean into that uh, kind of gray and even uncomfortable space and just bring some people some confidence. So that's maybe a picture mm-hmm.
0: of yes. spiritual authority.
1: Yeah, that's really well said. And it starts with that relationship that we
0: have with God. I mean, It yeah. all flows from God through Jesus to us, mm-hmm. and that's what you set up, Emily. So just kind of taking this further, how does someone actually grow in spiritual authority?
2: Yeah, it's a good question. I I think as someone who came to faith later in life, I've actually spent a lot of time thinking about this question. People often affirm that they see spiritual authority in me. You talked about that, Don. Like people will affirm that kind of thing in you. And they, they did in me when I was a young leader in the church, worship leader in the church. But as a young 20-something who came to faith when she was essentially 19 years old, it sounded cool, you know, but I really had no idea what it even meant. So I've come to believe um, that I've had to really lean into like, what does it mean? So here, here's, here's just my, um, my thought on this is, is that it really involves two elements. I think for me, it involves knowledge and worship. What do I mean by that? The knowledge piece is simply being a learner of the Word of God. You you mentioned that, Don, of reading my Bible. When I approach uh, reading as a checklist item, which let me be the first to admit I've done countless times in countless seasons of my life, I don't learn anything. And there's so much to learn when we read the Bible. Instead, when I approach it with curiosity, then all of a sudden everything is interesting. Everything is worth looking at in different ways. And as I've developed that practice of reading um, with a sense of curiosity, I've found that I am learning more growing in my knowledge of how God is is really moving through my life, how he's moved throughout history. And by the way, I think that's really important to being a pastor. I don't have all the answers to the hardest questions that we're all wrestling with, but I have curiosity. And uh, I'm growing in knowledge and understanding the same way as you are or the mm-hmm. listeners are. And I think that's really important to approach it with curiosity. Um, the other piece that's really important to me is relationship. And I'll explain this one with a story about Young John Alexander. Pastor. Oh, good. Pastor Young John Alexander. You're uh, still young, right? You are still mm, yeah, young. You're sorta. a different kind of young. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <you>. Um, <clears throat> back when uh John was a student pastor at the first church that we did ministry at together, I remember him uh teaching the kids about how to read their Bibles. These are high school kids. Um, and you gave them this really simple instruction that for me at 25 years old. Remember, I came to faith later in life. I feel like I picked up this practice for myself and I've implemented it in my own reading time. And it's this, find yourself in the story. What is my relationship to the story? What person do I relate to? How does the passage make me feel? And and truthfully, as we, um, continue to grow and get older, um, I think the answers to those questions change. We might read a story that's very familiar uh, to us countless times, but when you ask yourself those questions, I think those answers change. And I believe that the answers to those questions are directly connected to what God is, is saying to me, is speaking to me, or how the Holy Spirit is moving in me. Therefore, I'm not only growing in knowledge, but I'm also growing in my own confidence of hearing from God. And that's really important when it comes to spiritual authority. Like you said, when you speak with a spiritual authority, it's not my own knowledge. Right. It comes from mm-hmm. something much greater, much uh, wiser than myself. Yeah. And uh, and I think that that's really important. It's really good.
1: Yeah. Knowledge and relationship. Don, what would you say? Well, I just love how you're getting after, you know, a lot of times the answer we often give is you got to read your Bible, but you're, you're un- untangling that a little bit more of being curious and how do you have a relationship with a person in the story or with the creator in the story. So I just love that. I do think you're right. Putting scripture into who we are is something that comes over years. It's not like, oh, I'm going to go visit a person at their their deathbed. I should start reading my Bible today. You know, like that comes over and not that you can't do that because you sh- still should do that. But, but really the, that foundation that comes over years or even Decades of just absorbing God's word, being curious. We were even talking about different ways you can get so many resources online these days where you can essentially get a seminary education for free. Just keep finding those, keep looking for those and be curious because uh, you're right. You're yeah. Right. I'm
2: currently reading the book of Genesis and I'm mm. so struck by how clear Abraham and all these people, Noah, just were so sure of mm. what they were hearing from God. And that's like, I want that. Mm. I want that assurance. And so how do I get that assurance? I'm curious about that. I'm not mm. just reading it for the sake of reading it. I want to approach it with some curiosity.
0: Yeah. I can say as someone, we this is going to sound super spiritual, but we do it for practical reasons. We get up before our kids get up so we can spend time with God and read the Bible. And mm-hmm. and uh, I've always been an early morning riser. You've had to learn to do that as the kids <laughs> have gotten even, <laughs> just more distracting. True. And We've all never things, had but,
2: kids that slept in. But oh, I will man. say that What's as
0: watching that? you read scripture, you do approach it that way. I'm, I'm more in the camp of tempted to approach it as like a checklist. I'm just wired that way. Okay, here's the next thing. So I have to like pay attention to that. You really approach it with a very curious mind. I look over sometimes and you're crying or you're just reflecting. You're so moved by what you're reading. Mm. Um, but I would just say, too, for everyone, so I want to affirm you on that. Thank but for you. everyone, Sweet. you don't have to go to seminary. Yeah. I think people think, like, you. we started off by saying, you know, this is for everyone. This yeah. isn't just for pastors or people who work in a church. To grow in knowledge, to grow in relationship, you might think, like, oh, I need to, you know, go to this seminary. I need to take this class. I need to— no, this, this is available for everyone. Every person can grow in spiritual authority because all of these tools are available to every single person out there in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. So
1: Let me just add one more thing that has been a more recent rhythm for me that's changed. I mean, the daily connection with scripture, so critical. But for me, like once a week, just finding that time where you can, like, what does that word mean? Or what about that character yes, in the study? Or how can I, I've actually picked up a theology book that I've been reading. I was looking at, general revelation the other day. I mean, this is crazy. Yeah. This is yeah. not stuff I would just normally go get, but just allowing yourself, again, to be curious. That's such a great word. But even just if it's once a week to do a deeper dive yes, and just go chase that down a little bit, research that verse a little bit more, do a little background check on it. I think it's so good and an important part of spiritual authority. Yeah. I'm
0: going to throw a curveball here. Can, mm-hmm. can spiritual authority be abused at all?
2: I mean, I think so. Yeah, I think... Um, it's probably a, a a danger as as pastors that it can be really abused. I think people let us into their lives very easily. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a huge responsibility and we can impart, um, instead of imparting God's wisdom, I think we can impart our own, uh, you know, subjective thoughts or opinions or I want this person to do this and so I'm going to tell them it's from God. I I think it can Mm -hmm. definitely be abused. I think it's a thing that we have to constantly check in our hearts as as pastors and leaders in the church. Mm
1: -hmm. I think that's the value of team. I think the answer is yes, that you can abuse it. And that's the value of, hey, I'm in a situation. I'm going to give some counsel to this person. What do you all think? Would we all be on the same page with this one? I mean, at Eaglebrook, we do that often where we collectively work on an email. Somebody sends a difficult question. Hey, here's how I would answer this. Either you guys read it and give some edits to it, or how would you all answer it? And I'll kind of scoop up the best and use that as a reply. Uh, but it is something to—I'm I'm glad you asked the question because it is something to be aware of, and you can abuse it if you just— are a maverick in your spiritual yes, authority and right. say because God told me here's yes. what you should do. Yeah. That's a dangerous place to be.
2: Well, an authority is is power, and I think we we abuse yeah, power all the time. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I was just going to add. I was thinking about that <laughs> as we were talking about it. It, it people probably have experienced that abuse at the hands of people who had spiritual authority and um, in all kinds of ways not I'm not talking about just physical abuse but other ways mm-hmm. and I think humility I mean you said team mm-hmm. you know working with a council of people is critical yeah. and also humility we talk about it as a DNA um, aspect of our church so often that um, humility just ha- approaching it with hey here's what I believe God is leading me to say here's what I think God is. You know, asking us to do sure you can say it with some confidence and authority, but there's also an element of like there's human error in that too, mm-hmm. and there's a willingness to admit I'm I might be wrong here, but I'm pretty confident based on the time I've spent with God, based on the counsel of other people, this is the direct direction we're supposed to go. So I
2: remember that um, John and I were able to get away. We went to a conference, and we we. Um We got to meet with uh, a leader um, in this in this church that was putting on this conference, and I remember he was sort of speaking prophetic words over us. But the first thing he said is like, "Is exactly that. These words are meant to encourage. They are not meant to be, uh, you know, predictors of what's going to happen next. This isn't a fortune telling. These are just words of encouragement. Things that I see, and I think that that is that is so." Forgiving, that's so kind. That's so humble. That that approach was so mm-hmm. humble.
0: Yeah. Well, just to carry this conversation on further, you are a, a worship pastor. You're a worship leader, and at Eaglebrook Church, we we have a lot of worship leaders, a lot of musicians who are up there leading worship, and um, it's really incredible what our music teams do. The the worship experience is second to none at our church. We're so fortunate. We're so blessed. Um, but people want to know you know, what, what are these worship leaders really like? I mean, what are they trying to accomplish? Is it all about, you know, them? Or are they trying to showcase their talents or are they leading us to do something else? And of course, we know the answer to that, but I want to unpack a little bit how spiritual authority directly relates to leading worship. How does it?
2: Yeah. Well, those are really fair questions are really fair assumptions. Um, and I would just say, You know, as as Don, you mentioned, I, I sit on a team that is constantly checking the spirit of me. You know, and and so I I just want to say that I'm so fortunate, I'm so grateful to to be on a team uh, that is like that that calls each other on those kinds of things. If there's any whiff, you know, of of me, um, but I think I think spiritual authority is very important. I think it's essential to the role of a worship leader, or any leader uh, in the church for that matter. And I cannot stress this enough to the listener. I think this is the part where the preacher says, like, if you hear nothing else from me, hear this. Um, I am fully aware of the privilege that it is to stand in front of a group of people and lead them in a time of worship, worship being music in this conversation. Um, I know that I have access into people's hearts and lives um, in a way that I don't feel I deserve. um, And so I take that very seriously. I think the platform holds me accountable to being the best pastor I can be for people and spiritual authority. Again, knowledge and relationship um, is vital to that kind of leadership. Um, I have been leading worship for a very long time. um, And it's second nature in a sense. Anything you do for a long period of time becomes second nature. nature. And I think lyrics are repetitive in worship. Dynamics of a song are really similar. You know, we've got verses, choruses, a bridge that starts down and then builds into a big chorus again. And worship is a genre genre that's really familiar um, to me. And so the threat of simply going through the motions is really high. Again, the team that I serve on constantly checking that. Are we going through the motions? But the things that keep me grounded, that keeps uh, me from going through the motions are the people. The people are changing. The songs are repetitive. The people I am leading and the needs of those people are constantly changing. A person comes to our church to be inspired. They come to grow in their own faith. And there's nothing more exciting than the thought that I get to be even a small part of their journey of faith. That's a huge responsibility. Um, And the last thing I'll say, too, is that in the last two years, I've been using this mantra that I say in my heart or to our worship team that I'm on, let's not forget our own need for God as we lead people. Um, I think that's really important. This probably goes without saying, but I'm growing like everyone else. Our listeners, all of you, um, whether you're standing in front of me or you're standing behind me, we all have the same need for God. I must stay in the right order. God, myself growing in my faith, um, just like everybody else. I want to pursue God in my own heart as I lead people. Um, It's really important to me.
1: Yeah. One of the things I love about our worship leaders is exactly what you're saying is who they are on stage is who they are off stage. And I've gotten to see a lot of them over the years back in a a green room or off stage in some way. And they really are people pursuing God's heart. And I think those are the people that are successful here, even in spiritual authority through worship leading. And I'm just so grateful that that that's always been the case. Uh, because there are a lot of people watching here. I mean, there's a lot of lights. There's a lot of cameras that go to a lot of people. And I would think it would be very tempting to get kind of wrapped up in that. So I, it's good to hear when you guys are kind of checking each other on that, because it would be very easy to kind of kind of fall in the trap of being praised by others. I mean, I don't know how else to say it is. It would be easy to step into that limelight. How do you guys stay humble when people are just kind of looking to you as rock stars in a certain way. I mean, there is some celebrity nature to what we do when thousands of people watch. How do do you keep it in check?
2: Well, I think part of it is understanding that uh, people are looking for connection. Mm -hmm. And so if that's a way that they feel connected to me, um, then that's just a great starting point. I mean, about the celebrity or, oh my gosh, it's you, you're out here in the lobby or wherever that is. I mean, it's just easy to direct that back to like, It's you, you know, like, tell me about, tell me about you. I'm just as interested in the people that I'm leading as, as they might be in me. I, I, I I really like that connection in our lobbies to, to say, here I am, this is, you know, the, face to a name. And I I just want to know where you're from. I want to know how long have you been coming here? And um, again, it's curiosity. Maybe it all comes back to that. Maybe it all comes back to curiosity, but I'm curious about this place is so big. Any chance that I get, whether it's in a Target or in our lobby (laughs) Mm -hmm. to talk to people who go to our church, like how cool is that to Mm -hmm. be a part of a church where I'm seeing people outside of the walls of, of this place and and, uh, yeah, I think people are looking for connection. You know, one thing I I will add, too, is that I when I started leading worship, it was before YouTube. That is just embarrassing. But whatever. <laughs> I'm young. I'm How still young. You? Yeah. How old are you? Um, and so I think the the threat of the celebrity is, um, it is really for our, our younger generation. My hope is that as they watch other leaders lead, they would develop a skill set, you know, of this is how this person leads. And I like by watching them on YouTube, for instance, I like how Carrie Job leads. I like how Brooke Frazier leads. I like how, um, well, I guess those are the only two I could think of off the top of my head. <laughs> uh, but but I can emulate some of their, you know, their mechanics or whatnot. But, but spiritual authority, I mean, that we must take ownership of that as leaders we can have mechanics that we receive from other people but man we need to develop our own sense of spiritual authority as we go and lead that we can't get from mm-hmm. from anywhere else other than yeah. the the own work that's in our heart
0: yeah hey what just taking this a little further what do you think the future looks like for worship so you said you've been leading worship since before youtube and instagram and those kind of things what do you think the future looks like
2: yeah, that's good. I think I think uh, I think about this thing a lot. I, I'm in a new position where I. Uh, get to sort of oversee the next generation of leaders, which is a very exciting seat for me to sit in. And there is quite a generation of young leaders rising up right now to lead on our platforms. Or maybe I'm just, I don't know, at an age where everyone's getting younger, that's probably what it is. But I stand in awe at the young people that I'm surrounded by. And we're talking 17 to 23 year olds who are excited about worship, who love the church, who love to create and want to lead an authentic experience of worship. And by the way, I'm not just talking about young worship leaders. Um, I was leaving a rehearsal at Lionel Lakes a few weeks ago, and the people I was saying goodbye to were Lucas— Who's 17, running our audio console? Whoa. Peyton, who's 19, mm-hmm. and was running our lighting console, and Caden, who is 17, mm-hmm. and was running our media content. Who's hired stuff- those
1: people? No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Just kidding. The I know all that stuff you see incredible. on
2: our LED walls. Caden was was controlling all of that, and now they are uh, all young, but they're being mentored by people who have gone before them. But I literally shouted to them as we were leaving, as I was leaving, something to the effect of, "You're not the future." you're the now Mm -hmm. like they're the now Caden also shared that he didn't own a pair of jeans until he came to EBC he shared that the other day his (laughs) his uh report Tommy was like you should probably buy a pair of jeans (laughs) to come into our our buildings you know I mean that's pretty great and 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 personally I got excited I got excited that I was the oldest person in the room double their age Mm -hmm. like this is they could be your kids they, Basically, well, I mean, <laughs> easy. <cool>. Don's grandkids. <laughs> Don's well, now that went too, <laughs> too far. Too far. So, I think to answer your question, two words that come to my mind um, that the young, younger generation speaks of is authenticity. And connection. The music they write is often really honest. If you listen to some of the the music put out by these younger worship teams, they're really honest. And I find that there's an element of being unapologetic about their struggles. You know, their struggles in their faith, and they sing about it. They write about it. So I think the the future of worship is is going to head in that direction. It's going to get more lyrically poignant, probably less produced, um, but. This is just my hypothesis. I, I don't mm. actually know. I'm old. Interesting.
0: That's the wrong answer. Don was hoping you were going to say more Bon Jovi. More electric well, guitar. I more say- <laughs> electric <laughs> guitar. Listen,
2: <laughs> I, I, I will say that there is more electric guitar. We are starting to move yes. kind of— yeah. I don't know if you'd say backwards. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> no. We're not going backwards, Dave. We're going forward. That's Dave. Who's forward, forward, who's, for sure. Oh, he's my boss and yeah, he you know. plays electric dog.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, Don loves electric dog, but he's also the one that's like, Hey, we should bring in a DJ to the weekend. Or we yes. you are Amen. you are you
2: are Let's bring in a DJ. Do you know future. DJs?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, he met the one- DJ Josh. Yeah, Josh. Yeah, yes. we know Josh. DJ did Josh. I took a Zero selfie with Oh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. That's really cool. Uh, <laughs> a selfie with DJ Josh. Yeah.
0: Well, we've we've covered a lot of topics, and obviously we love having you in. Um, but there's another topic we want to go into, and it's about being a woman pastor and leader in the church. It's no secret that um, typically there's just more male. Leaders and pastors within the church, and so I just want to ask, you know, at Eaglebrook Church, where we value both genders equally, what kind of lessons have you learned as a woman leader and pastor over the last couple
2: decades? My goodness, I mean, so many. Um, I've d- adapted a few sayings over the course of my life in ministry, um, but but one is that it's it's this not us versus them. Mentality, um, it's not in us versus them, and I mean that in the male-female conversation. It it has not been my experience. Me, a female, versus you two, you know, or the males uh, that I work um, work with. Have there been challenges along the way? Of course, but my personal experience in ministry is that I'm sitting in the seat that I am in. Because of the men around me who believed in me, who saw things in me that I could not see, who encouraged me, who moved out of the way to give me a presence and a voice, um, who understood their position of power or authority and chose to make a way, chose to step out of the way um, to give me uh, an opportunity to step into that space, Um, two of you being at the top of that long list of men. And, and I'm also not negating my own abilities either. I, I've worked really hard. I've accomplished things I'm really proud of, but I did so with this perspective, or at least I tried to, and I continue to, um, to do so with the perspective that I could be a part of breaking down that barrier, that barrier that exists with women not having the same opportunities as men in the church instead of choosing a path of resistance or it's never going to happen or it's a lost because um, I think it's been my mission since joining the music team in 2014 to make sure that I make a way for other women, It's not just men making a way for other women. I think that women, we also have a a way to go to really encourage each other and love each other and move aside for other women to step into leadership. Um, And I've tried to do that. I've tried to make that my mission in the area that I most influence, which is worship. I'm really proud of how many women um, are leading on our platforms week after week. Um, and I, I think we have a ways to go. I think the kingdom of God is represented by the people that are on this earth. We look different. We have different gifts, different wirings. Um, but if the kingdom of God physically looks like the people who walk this earth, then we must have them represented equally in the church. And I've spent much of the last two years studying the life and ministry of Jesus. Um, specifically how he used women around him. And it's no secret that he used women at really pivotal moments in his ministry. I mean, he revealed his defeat over death to two women Um, who were then told by Jesus to go and tell the people. Um, John chapter 20, verse 17, he tells Mary to go find my brothers. In this sense, he's talking about the disciples. Go find my brothers and tell them that I have not yet ascended to the Father, which means I'm still walking this earth. I have defeated death and they will see him. Again, in verse 18, it says she found the disciples. She found them and she said, I have seen the Lord. I mean, that's huge. That's huge. That passage alone should move us towards putting women in positions of authority or leadership in the church. And Jesus trusted her with the most important transformative message in all of his ministry, that he's alive, that he defeated death. I mean, that's big. That's exciting. That's exciting for me to read. Um, And the last thing I'll say on this is that we just are better together than we are apart. We're better when we're for each other than we are against each other. And I think if we embrace the differences in our wirings, uh, the people we serve will just have a greater understanding of who God is and, and his nature. We have a ways to go, but I believe we'll get there. And I, truthfully, I wanna be around for it. I do.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, I think there, I, I, just to scoop up a few things you said, I love the us versus them. And actually tying it back to your word of the day, almost curiosity, because uh, there are a lot of different views on this one. And some people are like, why aren't we further down this road? And other people are like, why, how have we gotten so far? And I think if you're in one side of that or the other, you can actually have an us versus them. You know, if you're someone who feels like, man, this has gone so far so fast, you're kind of wondering how are people thinking this needs to go so much quicker and vice versa. So I do think the word that you said is curious. How can I learn more about someone who thinks this should be further down the road But how can people who think it should be further down the road learn from somebody who's like, hang on, put on the brakes here? Because those viewpoints are strong, too. And so I think even just to talk about this topic, learn from each other. Let's seek unity. And even if we disagree on it, let's love each other, be gracious with each other, ask questions. And I think let's keep learning about it because I think you're right. We're still learning on this one. We have ways to go. I mean, our church does have women on the board. It has women on the leadership team. And for some churches, that's radically yep. crazy. <laughs> yep. And for others, you know, they're thinking we should be further down yeah. the road. So it, it is a difficult topic. I, I love that we're talking about it. And I think it's one that people should just kind of put on the table. This is why them. I love our core beliefs so much. I mean, die for our die
0: for core belief is that all people are created the image of God and God loves all of those people equally. I mean, there's no differentiation on who has access to God's love. That's a die for belief. But in the defend, discuss categories, we put positions within the church. And because there are people on both sides of this issue, mm-hmm. and if we create this us versus them, you know, not just between male and female, but between like, well, I believe this and you believe that, that's where the tension lies. So we don't put that in a die for category. We put that in a defend and discuss because we want to hold it with open hands. Mm -hmm. There are good Christ following people who believe on both sides of this issue. And, um, you know, we've, we've taken one track at Eaglebrook church, but that doesn't mean we're against people who have a different perspective on that. So that's why I wanted to talk about it because it can be a controversial subject. We just have chosen not to make it controversial. We want to hold it with open hands, discuss it, be curious, with Mm -hmm. one another and then represent as best we can where we think
1: God is leading us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Anything else on that topic or can I turn the page? Let's turn the page. Okay, because here's an interesting topic is you guys have worked at Eagle Brook for 11 years, you said, together, Mm -hmm. and even you were in ministry before that uh, together. Uh, What's it like doing ministry together? What have you learned from uh, being on the same team uh, what could we learn from the two of you being yeah. married and on the, the same team together? Yeah. Well, first of all, we
0: love it. Yeah. <laughs> we do. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean it's always been easy. It's been challenging at times, but we really do love being in ministry together and working at the same church together. When we first got hired, or when we were about to get hired, mm-hmm. we were interviewed by the executive pastor at the time who brought us both in to basically grill us and say, <laughs> hey, what kind of risk are we taking here by hiring both of you at the same time? Truthfully, I think they wanted to hire Emily and I was just kind of along for the ride, oh, but whatever. they were, they were going to hire both of us at the same time. And, and the executive pastor at the time was worried about this, not because he was opposed to it, but what happens is if one of us goes bad, well, we're both going at that, you're that point. Together, it, it's, yeah. it, you're, you're tied together. I mean, if, if someone goes bad in terms of like, you know their own job satisfaction, or maybe they're not doing an adequate job, and so they're kind of getting, you know, encouraged to look for something else that maybe fits their skill set. Y- you are tied together, and so we love it. Um, we know there's risk in it for for churches when they hire um, uh, married couples together yeah. or family members. Um, but the things we've learned are, um, you can be a team. You can be for each other. Um, you can be each other's biggest um, champions. We also um, just got a text this week from someone who works on staff that said um, he really appreciated how open we were with giving feedback to one another Mm -hmm. and that it was a safe place for him to give feedback to one person um, in front of the other person. And we've worked really hard at that Mm -hmm. to ensure that people feel like it's a safe space. We've also had to learn how to keep things confidential from one another, not secrets, but there are things that maybe I know that, she doesn't need to know, um, not to know. or <laughs> want to know, I want to and find <laughs> out
2: like the rest of the staff gets to find out. Vice yeah. versa, <laughs> we've
0: also had to honor um, people's perspective and opinions about one another. Like if someone has some thoughts about Emily, to me, I have to hold that in somewhat confidence and hold my emotions in check. And so, um, there's just been. I mean, there's. We 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 could devote a whole podcast to the subject, mm-hmm. but overarchingly, and and I I do want this to be clear. We love it. We yeah. do. We've mm-hmm. loved the challenge. We've loved the sacrifice we've had to make. Um, we've loved what it's taught our kids, but it hasn't been easy. Yeah. So. yeah,
2: yeah. I I would say um that the work is at home. You know what I mean? Like the work that we've put into it. It starts at our house. You know, how do we love one another? How do we champion each other? I mean, I I really do say that John is my number one fan. He thinks everything that I do is awesome. <laughs> and I just that support comes from a husband. That support doesn't come from, you know, I, I mean in 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 the way that the, at least organizationally it's, it is here at Eagle Brook is that I, I report to John through someone else. And so there is that line of, um, of superiority, I guess. Um, but his support is of me as a husband and I feel it, I believe it. Um, and that way, when we go out into the work world where there's feedback or there's, you know, Debriefing things or or whatnot, it just doesn't feel personal. It Mm -hmm. feels I'm being treated or he's being treated just like everyone else within within the organization. But my gosh, I mean, we could also talk about all of the things that were hard, you know, at first. And and um, but yeah, I would say that we've we've done a lot of work. We've grown a lot um, together. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, there are days when I when I wish we were doing even more ministry together. I mean, I'm so excited to be here, mm. to be mm-hmm. with you, Don, yeah, certainly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I get really excited to sit alongside John mm. and, and just do ministry. hmm
1: yeah. If a church were considering this, just real quickly, yeah. I think our rules are like, you could not report directly to John. Yep. I'm not even That's sure right. we'd put the two of you on a same team. Would that
2: be, or is it? Well, you did when you first hired us. (laughs) Well, what was I doing? (laughs) We have done that. And by the way, I believe the question that we were grilled on was, is it going to be worth it (laughs) for our church to hire the two of you? It's a a a fair question.
0: question. (laughs) By the way, we're not the only married couple on staff. There's several. And we end up talking with a lot of those couples to make sure that we're all doing it well. Uh, because we want to be good examples for future married couples who are on staff. And so um, there's a, I I don't think I can list them off the top of my head right away, but there's several Mm -hmm. who are on staff and married, maybe different teams and different org charts and those kind of things. But um, we've tried to set a good example Mm -hmm. for those couples who are on staff together.
2: I think holding the tension of like, I represent me, But because John is also on this staff, I represent John, Mm -hmm. and I think that is an extremely important. It it increases your responsibility in that way. Yeah,
1: yeah, Yeah, it's good. All right, maybe last question, Uh, Emily. What What do you dream about? You and I are similar. We love fun, adventure, (laughs) dreaming. John sometimes likes those things, but but, you know, we we absorb that stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What are your dreams about the church and its future?
2: Yeah, I, I've spent the last two years studying um, the life and the personhood of Jesus. This is something I mentioned earlier. Um, I've kind of sunk my teeth into his human nature. I read the um, read the gospels, reread the gospels. I read books on his life and and how formative and transformative he truly was in our world. And there's this moment in Jesus' ministry where he tells his closest friends, the disciples, that his time on earth is coming to an end. And uh, despite their confusion, maybe a little fear, sadness, he continues to instruct. A Instruct them on what's to come. Um, and he had just finished washing their feet. And he says in chapter 13, I promise I'm getting to your answer, um, that I've given you ex- an example to follow. Jesus says, do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. And essentially what he's telling his friends is that though he is God, or to bring it back to this table, though we are pastors in the church, we're not better than those that we lead. In fact, Jesus also says, I didn't come to be served, but to serve, right? And then Jesus leaves them with this sort of new commandment, and this is important. It's written right there in the word. He says the word new, new commandment, which means it'll be new for his followers, never heard before. He says, "'Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples.'" and if we're to find ourselves in the story as i mentioned earlier then we are the disciples these words are for us so what's my dream for the church that we would be defined by our love that we can lean we can lean left or right We can love sports or hate them. We can live in the suburbs or the city. We can use Audible or be physical book people. Um, But may we be most defined by our love, Christians. May we be most defined by our love. Um, And let me just say one final thing on that. I would challenge every listener, myself included, to be in at least one conversation in your life that's ongoing you're challenged by another person's perspective or way of thinking that's not like yours. Not for the purpose of changing them, but for the purpose of really listening and understanding. And I promise that you will not only grow in your faith, but you will begin to not fear the things that make you different. Instead, embrace the things that make you similar. So Mm. with all that, it's love. My dream for the church is that we truly are loving one another, not just the people like us, but the people that aren't.
0: That's great. And we covered a wide range a of topics, spiritual authority, worship leading, Come being on. a woman in the church, right? yeah. being it's married in ministry. It's a lot. I know we could keep talking. Emily, you're full of many wise things. So oh. mm-hmm. anything, any final things you want to add? Close things out.
2: Yeah. I mean, here, here's the deal. I, I'd like to talk about the future of the Seahawks and the Bears Ooh, franchise. Man. We wow. should do a podcast on that. I mean, personally, <laughs> I've not seen signs of life for either team for a few years from now. So what are mm-hmm. some ways that you can help our listeners stay faithful during the rebuilding years? The
0: more rumors come out, do you know how close <laughs> the Seahawks were to trading Russell Wilson to the Bears? Well, they right? should have. Very mean. close. They and then Penny had a few the good games. No, and no, they no. Were, no you're, yes, you're,
2: that's, exact, that's exactly what you said in the home the other no, day. No, you're,
0: you're missing you the timeline. Said, oh dear. You're your, speaking here out of go. place this here. Is but uh, <laughs> yeah, in a good place now. I like here we this. go. So, anyways, there's a bright future ahead, right? Oh, every next year's our year. Yes. The Bears exactly. are going to the Super Bowl next year. <laughs>
2: yes. Well, the Seahawks are, I thought. Oh, they can't go no. at the same time. They're no. both in the NFC. That's oh, yes. Anyway. Oh, that's anyway. right.
0: Well, thanks again, Emily. We, we loved having you. You're so and uh, cool. you're just full of a lot of, again, a lot of wisdom, a lot <laughs> oh, of fun. We could do this for, I think, hours. But knowing my totally. personality, I'm ready to wrap things up. Yeah. I've already gone long <laughs> enough. And uh, Don and Evelyn can keep talking. Don and let's just keep, going. keep talking. Yeah, yes. Right. But thanks uh, really, truly. That's all we got for this episode of the Eaglebrook Church Leadership Podcast. We just really, really believe when leaders get better, the church gets better. So thanks for joining us. Subscribe if you get a chance, share it on social media, and we'll see you for the next episode of the Eaglebrook Church Leadership Podcast.